welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. We're going to go to the book of Ephesians chapter number one. We're continuing on um, in our series on knowing the will of God. And uh, we're going to, instead of starting at John 10, we'll start at Galatia, excuse me, Ephesians chapter one. I think we've established the, the principle of John 10, that there's three things that we need to know. Jesus said, uh, my, my sheep know my voice, right? He said, I know them. And number three was what? They follow me. So the will of God is not difficult if you follow it. It's difficult if you don't. Ask Jonah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Um, I think John Wayne said, life is hard, but it's harder if you're stupid. <laughs> it ain't in the Bible, but you can sketch it in the back right there. <laughs> I would just rephrase it a little bit. Life is hard. It's harder if you don't follow God. <laughs> Amen. How many, how many else besides me got some knots on your head from thinking we were taking the shortcut? Amen. And uh, so he said that, that if you follow me, no man can pluck you out of my hand. And then we jump over into Ephesians chapter 1, amen, and we begin reading um, at verse number 7, amen, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom, pay careful and close attention to this, in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Amen. Talking about the will of God, right? That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ and whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest, the earnest, the earnest of our what? Our inheritance, amen. Unto, uh, unto the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory, amen. And we are talking about tonight knowing the will of God. We, we've talked about knowing the will of God as in the will of God, as in the purpose of God. Amen. And the will of God is in the possession or the promise of God. And so we're going to continue on in that tonight with the help of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that there is anointing and that there is power, that there is strength in your word. And Lord, I am praying right now 
that you would touch every heart and every mind and every spirit, O oh Lord. Give us wisdom that only comes from you. Give us revelation that only comes from heaven. And Lord, I am praying that you would pour out your spirit in this place. Lord, that you would do what only you can do. Lord, give strength to those that are weak, joy to those that are discouraged, peace to those that are in a storm, and let it be done by your word in such a fashion that only you could get the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Amen. I uh, want to say before I begin this Sunday, uh, we are going to have a great time in the Holy Ghost. Uh, we were talking a little bit to um, our leaders on Monday night, this Sunday, and I don't want to set a false expectation about this Sunday, but it will be somewhat uh, a little bit, you may notice the service is somewhat a little more abbreviated than a standard uh, Sunday service because we, we've we been blessed, we've been honored to uh, be asked to preach um, the 67th, huh? 150th, whatever it is, 60-something year pastoral anniversary or church anniversary in Richmond, California for a church of another denomination. They've asked uh, me to come preach, and they've asked our praise team uh, to come and uh, do some songs of worship on Sunday afternoon. And so we're going to trim down just a little bit to get over there because we want to be a light. We want to be a light to them. And uh, if you want to go, we can get you the address, but we're going to go throw down, and we're going to have church and watch God change some lives. So Sunday, if you go, wow, pastor got up there quick. Uh, you know that we're going to have a move of God and Lord's going to do a quick work because we want to go be a blessing. Amen. We want to be a light to, to this church in Richmond. Amen. And so you're more than welcome to come and join. If you didn't get enough church, just follow us over there. We'll caravan over there and have a great time in the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we're talking about knowing the will of God, knowing the will of God um, as in uh, we have talked weeks about knowing the will of God is in the purpose of God, and hopefully we have taken away the mystery of that God's will is some kind of very mysterious thing that we cannot know without tremendous sacrifice, but we found out through God's word um, his will is most often it is, it's not difficult to find, it's just sometimes hard to follow. Amen. Uh, oftentimes the things that are the most obvious of God's will to do is the most difficult thing to do. Now, some things you don't have to pray about. Lord, do I need to forgive my brother? If you want me to forgive my brother, um, let $10,000 show up in my bank account tomorrow. <laughs> right, we don't need to pray about that, right? Forgiveness is what we need. And it's hard, right? And uh, so, so... Oftentimes, the will of God is not a difficult thing to discern because we know his voice and we follow him. And, and so now we are talking about the will of God, not as in the purpose of God singularly, but we are talking about the promise or the possession that God has for us. And again, I want to reiterate that it is not singularly uh, material things that we are talking about when we talk about the inheritance of God. Uh, 
We're not just talking up possessions are part of it, but it is not even the majority of it because God has even greater inheritance for us than just, a, you know, a big bank account or a nice home or a nice car. And so we have to realize and we have to understand that, that God has a purpose, but God has a promise, or he has a possession for us that is laid up for us. Amen. There's uh, some phrases, uh, three phrases that are legal terms that, I, that we familiarized ourselves with in the last lesson, and that was that there, the, the one phrase is testator. Everybody say testator. And the testator is the one who writes the will or dictates the will or has the authority, amen, to impart possessions or whatever it is to whomever they deem necessary. And so that is the testator. The will is called the testament, amen. So the testator is the author, the finisher of the testament. And then we come into play in the third category, and that we are the beneficiary or we are the inheritor of the testament from the testator. Amen. Those are three legal terms. Congratulations. You can go argue in a court of law now. Amen. So, <laughs> so we know that God is the testator, and we have emphatically declared that his word is the will and testament. It's written down. How many families have you heard of where they fought over, over grandma's favorite heirloom because she didn't write it down? And then you had families go to court and fight over grandma's hairbrush or whatever it was they were fighting over or, or grandpa's 57 Chevy, which is worth fighting for, and whatever it is, or the diamond ring or the bank account full of money, you know, some bank vault so full of money, you swim in it like Scrooge McDuck and all that stuff, and, and, and they, they go into the courts and they fight. Why? Because even when it is written down, the rich people, they'll still fight over it. Amen. And they'll, they'll fight because they wanted more than what the testator said they can have. And inevitably, they, they lose because it was written down. It was written. Amen. So God doesn't leave the inheritance of his word up. It's not up for, it's not up for debate. It's not up. It's not subjugated to, to my whims or my, my moods or or, or, or even my belief, it, it is forever settled, O Lord, thy word is forever settled in heaven. And, and I am trying uh, earnestly to, to get us to not see the Bible as just a collection of relics and stories and just a good moral code to live by, but to see the Bible as the living testament of God that is a guarantee to you as a beneficiary, to me as a beneficiary, as one who receives the inheritance of God from God through the blood of Jesus Christ, who because of his sacrifice on Calvary and his resurrection from the dead, the Bible said he made us heirs, but not just heirs, he made us 
joint heirs. It means equal partnership with him in the inheritance. Man, I am trying not to get worked up, but I think I might just do it. He makes us equal partners, co-inheritors with him, so that everything that has been given to him has therefore also been given unto me. And ye shall be endued with power from on the same power that Jesus had, amen, has been imparted to us. Hallelujah. Jesus said, great works have I done, but greater than these shall ye do. Now, how can I do that unless I have been given the authority? Amen. He, he sent the 70 out, Brother Clifton, two by two, and he said, "In you go out in my name and you bind them devils and you heal the sick and you do all these things. Well, what was he, why would he say in my name? Because it is a legal term that you need the name or the authority to unlock the access to the bank account or the authority or the power of the testator or the guarantee, uh, uh, the guarantor of that account or that whatever it is. And so when you go in, that's it's what amazes me about people that won't be baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll bless your food in Jesus' name. They'll pray for the sick in Jesus' name. But they just won't get in the water and be baptized in Jesus' name. See, what they're missing out on is it's, it's not semantics. It's not about, well, one church does it in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and the other church does it. No, no, it's more than that. It, it, it's, it's so much more than that. I mean, it's, it's more than, Sister Cindy, one is a valid biblical baptism and one is an invalid biblical baptism. It goes way beyond that. You see, what the name does is it grants me access to the testament. It grants me access because Jesus is the inheritor. He is the beneficiary of the testament. And when I take on his name, I join in with him. That's why he said, amen, in my name you shall cast out my devils. In my name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name you shall speak with tongues. In my name, amen. He kept, why? Because the name was the identifying process of who the guarantee or, or the guarantee or the beneficiary is, and that is you and me. And, and I'm not blessed of God because I talk in tongues. I'm not blessed of God because I know how to boogie-woogie with a B3. I'm not blessed of God because I can jump up and down. I'm not blessed with, of God because I can pray loud. I'm not blessed of God, amen, for any other reason than that God has first blessed me. I couldn't have done it on my own. I couldn't earn God's love. I couldn't buy my way into God's favor. I talked about, see, I'm trying not to get worked up. Amen. I'm just getting my voice back today. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be, but just tell me, be patient, be calm. I'm going to calm down. Amen. Praise God. Uh, uh, I get fired up thinking about this. It, it gets me excited. Amen. We used to sing the old song, God saved me. Why should I be bound? That's a good question. God saved me. So why should I feel like I have to be poverty stricken in favor? God saved me. Why do I got to feel like that? I'm the tail and not the head, the borrower and not the lender. God save me. Why do I got to act like I got to wake up every day and earn his affection? You got to understand something. He loved me when there was no because. He loved me not because I did any. He just loved me. He loved me before. 
He loved me before he ever flung a star in the sky. He loved me before he ever told a mountain to stand up straight. He loved me before he caused the oceans to lap over the shoreline. He loved me before the sun ever came out and played peekaboo with the earth. He loved me before that. And I couldn't earn my way to it. Because we talked about this last week or whatever the last week was I taught it. You can't buy an inheritance. You can't earn an inheritance. You can only receive an inheritance. Amen. And and what you get out of the inheritance, remember, is based on our knowledge of the will. If we don't know what's in the will, we don't know what's ours. Now, a few weeks ago, I let the cat out of the bag, and I went ahead and spoiled what this whole series is about because there's no, there's no rabbit to pull out of the, t- the hat at the end of this. This whole series is to get us to fall in love with the Word of God, not read it as, a, as just a daily thing, Brother Chase, to check off our... Because, listen, it's, now I'm going to be honest with you, and I hope you won't think less of me for this, Uh it's easy to get in a rut to just read the Bible because you're supposed to. And, you know, I thank God for Brother Garza. Uh, he, if you don't have the First Church app, it is the coolest. Matter of fact, uh, last, last week when we were in Texas, people were, people were talking to Addison, and uh, she was telling them about our church, and she, she looked at them and go, well, it's on the First Church app. And they go, what's the first? She looked at them like they grew a second head. You don't have the First Church app? She had people in, in Texas downloading the, the First Church app. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's like she looked at them like, you never heard of shoes before? I mean, she just, you don't get the First Church app? And we were sitting around the table with my family, and she's showing them how to, da- I don't even know how to download the app. She was showing them how to download it. She said, you, you download this, you can hear our, our preaching, and, and you can read your Bible. And thank God for Brother Garza. He put all that together and put together this amazing Bible reading program that I was telling people, you know, you don't got to start in Genesis and go to Revelation. You know, you get kind of bogged down. If, if you go Genesis to Revelation and you make it all the way through without quitting in the begats, God bless you. <laughs> you get in the begats, and it's like, dear Lord. They didn't have hobbies. This one begat that one, 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 begat that one. Good Lord, learn how to crochet or play volleyball. You get in the begat, 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 begat. Now, but you, we got to get more in the Word than just checking off. Well, I read my, I read my scripture today. Amen. We often, we, we often, and rightfully so, we, we liken this unto. Unto uh, um, earthly relationships, we we uh, to familial relationships, uh, to marital relationships. Um, you know, you wake up in the morning and you give your wife a kiss in the morning and say, I "Love you more." Good morning, love you, babe. And then she say, "Oh, that's sweet." And you turn around and go, "Next on the list." <laughs> I didn't say it. Because all of a sudden it don't it don't mean so much anymore, right? Right? 
I mean, he gets up in the morning and tells you, oh, how beautiful you are, and he opens the door for you. And as soon as you take one step out the door, you hear him go, check that off the list. You're going to see his face on a milk carton. <laughs> but but we, we can easily get that attitude with serving God. Listen, we need to fall in love with him not just memorize the process. Amen. We, 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 we got we to gotta fall in love with him. Amen. When I love him, I, I don't need to go check it off my list. And, and I'm, I'm being totally honest. There, there's days you get into it, and you, you got a lot going on. I'm going to tell you, uh, Elder Henderson taught a phenomenal message to our men last week at the breakout. And he talked about how that, how that the enemy, your flesh, and the enemy will wear on you to, to, to push your Bible reading to the next day. We, we've got to get in love with the Word. Amen. If I had my choice, we could either have the best music, the best singing, or the best ushers, or the biggest, most beautiful building, or the best programs, or whatever it is. Or we could be a, a church filled with knowledge of the Bible. I'm going to pick the latter. Now, I don't think it has to be either or. I believe it's both and, 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 and I believe we're a very knowledgeable, knowledgeable church in the Word, And which I'm going to tell you something. It, it keeps me on my tiptoes, right? I've heard people come in here, and they've said something, and they didn't preach anything false, right? Not false doctrine, but they'll say something that they misquoted something. And I see something, I'll perk up like, that's not what it says. And it's not like y'all go, I'm out of here, false doctrine. This is misquote. You know, that's not what it, I mean, y'all, 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 y'all give them a good old southern blessings hard, amen. I, I know what you meant. <laughs> but we, we, we've got to get to the point where we're in love with his word. How many times, and I'm kind of picking on the men here, it's because it's safe. <laughs> but how many times have, have we said, now I'm, I'm going to tell you ladies in this room right now, your husbands have never said this. It's only me. How many times have I said, man, if there's only a manual for a woman. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> they would if they knew it worked. <laughs> Problem is, y'all would just sell us one, make money, go shopping. <laughs> I mean, how many times you go, man, I wish there was a manual. I, well, like, could we have an interpretation of what women really mean? Like, when a woman says, I'm fine, believe me, she is anything but fine. As a matter of fact, it's quite opposite. You might want to check your milk before you drink it. When a woman comes to you and says, um, we need to talk, huh. we ain't talking. She's about to talk. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm saving some marriages right now. <laughs> when, when a woman says, go ahead, you bet not go ahead. The last thing you better do is go ahead. I mean, I wish, how many times, I just wish they had a manual. 
most expensive thing a woman says is, you know, I was thinking. <laughs> when I hear my wife say, you know, I was thinking, I go, babe, I am headed overseas right now. You know what? Just got a call. <laughs> How much is this stock going to cost me? I mean, if there was just a manual to, to answer these things right. You know, we've thought that. I know you haven't, but I have. You know? Like, what do I say? Like the manual. You get the manual in. And she asks a question, and, and you open it up. You go, page 17, paragraph G, line Z. <clears throat> it looks great, honey. Subsection C. No, your earlobes do not look fat with that. <laughs> if we just had a, a manual, man, it would save us a lot of grief. You know, you just, she says some. Bleep, bleep. <laughs> no, you make it better than my mother. But the page really only needs to be two book, two pages, the book two pages front and back. I'm wrong. <laughs> if, we, if we just had a manual, how many times do we do this with God? I can't understand God. I can't figure. If I could only know God and God says, If you want to know me, it's right here. I've got an answer for every problem you're going to face in life. For everything society's going through, he's got an answer right here. All we got to do is go to the manual. I can just figure God out. It's not about figuring God out. It's about knowing his Testament in his word. I, I, I remember, uh, Sister Cynthia, I remember my grandma. She had this big old beat up Bible she carried everywhere. Matter of fact, the older she got, we had to get a, a hand truck dolly to carry it in and out of the church, and Bibles were so big. And out, out of her Bible was like uh, ribbons. You know, the missionaries used to come through and they'd give you a ribbon or, or a, a a bookmark with their picture on it and what country they were in. And so, you know, to pray for them. You go through your Bible, you pray for them. I love it. Maybe, maybe we ought to do something like that. Put, put our missionaries, um, maybe we ought to make bookmarks with our youth group on it and our children. And we could pray over them every day we go through our Bible. Amen. Praise God. I'm giving them, these guys more work. I don't mean to do that. But I'm just, I'm just, I'm just thinking of these. I mean, and, and then she'd have these ribbons in there. I don't know who came up with the idea of crocheting ribbons to put in your bookmarks, but she had crocheted bookmarks in her Bible. I mean, who sat there and went, you know what would go good in my book? A piece of carpet. Remember pulling the bookmark out and lint being on it. You know? I think you've been there for a long time. Of all the possessions I could gain in the world, if, if I could gain any, it, it, it would be if I could just get my grandmother's Bible. But alas, she had several children, even more grandchildren. And 
That ain't going to happen. But I'd love to have that Bible because she, she wrote notes. She, she, during church, she took, she took copious amounts of notes during church. She was writing. Matter of fact, I remember her just looking right at my pastor. Y'all remember they always licked the tip of their pencil or their pen? Hey, man. I remember I thought about doing it one time. I borrowed a pen. It was getting dry, and I went, uh-uh. She gone. She didn't just write notes. She went home and studied those notes, and she prayed those notes. And she'd wake up in the morning. And it was uh, 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 doing the crossword puzzles after after reading her Bible. She'd get the Texas Gazette and open up, do crossword puzzles, then go through the TV guide and do the crossword puzzles and TV guide. Y'all believe we used to have to pay to find out what they were going to show? Fifteen cents? That was the first one's what <laughs> she'd do the crossword puzzle, fill in the blanks and all that stuff. But she had that Bible by her big old recliner. And she'd take that Bible to her room and it was on a nightstand. And I mean it was filled with notes. Notes upon notes upon notes. Promises from God that she would write into the margins. All my children will be saved. My grandchildren are going to be a preacher of the gospel. She'd write all that stuff in her Bible. She'd clutch that Bible, Brother Chase, like it was a parachute. She was jumping out of a plane. She loved that word. We've got to get that love for the word of God. She loved that. There wasn't anything in life that that Bible did not have the cure for. This is, uh, this is my new preaching Bible. I'm going to try to stick with it, but it's like a, it's like a new pair of shoes. And uh, I, much consternation earlier in our marriage was my wife thought that uh, she would get rid of my shoes because they had holes in them. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's just when they get fitting good. Don't be messing with my holy shoes. And I got shoes that are 22. 24 years old dress shoes and I wear them to church all the time and y'all think they're new because I just get them resold buy a good pair of shoes old man told me what preacher said one time you need three good things that are quality you need a good pair of shoes you need a good mattress and you need a good vehicle because if you ain't in one you're in the other and that just seemed to make a lot of sense to me and and my, my preaching Bible I've had for 20 years it just, it just wore out. Like, it's just, it's giving up the ghost. I open it up, and pages just start falling out. And, just, I mean, there's everything. Did, did you know that I have, I believe I have in that Bible, the very first time y'all came, and, and it has the Rainer family, and it has all your information. Do you know that's still in my Bible? I got a visitor card stuck in there. I just happened to see that one a few months ago, and I went, I wonder how that one turned out. <laughs> I've got obituaries in there, uh, all kinds of uh, McKenna and, and, uh, and Lily had used to draw little pictures and notes. I've got all that in my Bible. I ain't taking that out. I love that. And so we were driving uh, to church on Sunday morning, and um, 
I was preaching for my friend in, in Longview, and we were driving, and Addie knows when I'm, I'm on my way to preach. A lot of times I'll just zone out. You know, I, I got the Henson zone, and I'm, I'm zoning out, and, and she puts her little headphones in, you know, and she knows I'm kind of praying, get my mind on the service, and she was sitting behind me. She tapped me on the shoulder, and she said, Hey, Daddy, what you preaching this morning? And I said, Well, I got I got a couple of things on my mind. I said, It's a it's a secret though, you know. And I said, I got a couple things. You know, I've got some I hadn't really landed on one, but I've got some some direction. She goes, You know what? You know what I think you ought to preach? I think you ought to preach shipwreck, but not dead. I went, okay, wow. I hadn't preached that in a couple of years. She knew that. And I said, wow, okay, well, not feeling that, but yeah, I, I like that one. And she said, she got quiet for a minute. She goes, you know what else, Daddy? I think you should preach. Uh, what was the other one she said? I said it last night. That was, that was the one, the last one. She said, uh, uh, it was, so, it was so funny. It struck me funny when she said it. She said, uh, oh, she said, Daddy, maybe maybe they want to hear uh, the glory of the King's Gate. I hadn't preached that in two or three years. And I said, well, maybe that, that's a good message, but I'm not really, not really feeling that. She went through about five or six of them. She said, hey, Daddy, what about if I can't get, if I can't get out, I'll get God in. I'm just sitting there. I said, well, baby, I don't even think I have those notes. And she pulls out my old Bible. She goes, because I have my new Bible sitting up there every time. She goes, it's all in here. <laughs> she started flipping through my Bible. And, and, and she, she, said, she said, you know what I think? She goes, Daddy, I love, I love the four views of the cross. And she, she opened my Bible, and, and she said, I think this is your notes. And, and I was actually kind of thinking about it, so I stuck it in my new, and she looked at my notes. She goes, I don't know. What does it even say? I said, it's great revelation. You have to pray for interpretation from God. <laughs> Just like I, <laughs> she couldn't read it. And she goes, uh, and I'm, there's a point to this. There's a point to this. She said, you know what? She said, you know, we're, since we're in Texas, she goes, I think the Texans would like to hear that message you preach. Lord, send a catfish. Because Texans like catfish. I was so shocked. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. I said, I knew what it was about. I said, well, what's it about? She said, you don't even know what it's about. She goes, uh-huh, you preached it during COVID. We had both services were outside. It was in the parking lot in Vacaville, and it was in the back gated yard in Woodland. And she said, and you preached on the catfish about how they were shipping them uh, on a train from one side of America. She didn't get all the details right, but she, she got most of it right. And, and she said how that the catfish made them, made them other fish taste good. And I said, well, what's the four views of the cross? She said, well, I know the one is about his mama. I don't know the second one, but the other one was about the woman that had devils, and the last one was about the thief. And so I started quizzing her. I started going, I'm saying all that to say this. These kids are listening. 
And if we ever need to teach them the word, we need to teach it now and get it in their hearts and get it in their spirits to know and to love the word of God. And not to just know it for knowing's sake, but to know it. David said, thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might get rich and have friends. No, that what? That I might not sin against you. Why? Because sin breaks my fellowship with God. David said, I want your word in me so I can stay in fellowship with you. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I preached this some time ago that when you studied that, that the lamp, the lamp could only light up about three feet, which is one step of a of a adult stride of a human is about three feet. And so what David said was, Lord, your word is going to light my path one step at a time. When the sun, when it's sun is set and it's dark, your word's still going to light my path that I can stay on the straight and narrow even in these dark times that we live. I can trust the word. We got to not just know the word. We got to pray the word. I, I, I hope this isn't too basic tonight. I, I, I really do. I, I, I hope isn't, it, it isn't too simple. I know uh, some of your own calculus level Bible, and, and I'm doing finger painting tonight. But I, I want to get this in the foundation of who you are. If the only time you get the word is during service, you are emaciated spiritually. You are, you are absolutely spiritually emaciated. We've got to get the word in us every day. I've told you before, and it's somewhat humorous, but if I pull out my Bible laying in bed, my wife will go, uh-uh, go to the other room. Because that's, that's going to be three hours. I, I don't know, I, and I, I don't say this in a way that I'm trying to make it sound like I've got it all together. Believe me, there's days that I have struggled to read the Bible. Sorry if that's too transparent. There are days I get busy too. But there's something about the word. It's like a vortex. It just pulls you in. When you're not reading it for the letter, but you're reading it for the love. I can't tell you how many times she's just, you got to turn the light off. You're shaking the bed because my leg gets going when I get excited about something. That ADD, whatever, kicks in. I start shaking my leg. It's like, my Lord, it's like an earthquake happening in here. Just writing it down. God's speaking. We got to get the word. The Bible says if we get the word in us, if we get it in us, then we'll be able to give every man an answer when it's asked of us. Amen. I, that doesn't mean I know everything. That means I have planted what I need to know in me. And at the right time, it'll come out. There have been times I've, I've come to church and, and I've prayed and, I've, and I knew that I was waiting on a word from God and I have stood even in the service thinking, where am I going? I'm going to prepare something. I'm going to go ahead and line up and prepare something because I know to preach doctrine. I know that if God hadn't spoke you know, say this exact thing. Well, I'm going to get up. I'm going to preach on Jesus' name, baptism. I'm going to preach on one God, something like that to reach uh, through doctrine because God will always move when you preach on doctrine. 
And I, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been here and, I'm, and I've got my iPad and I've got three or four things lined up and I can go either direction. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, God will quicken something in my spirit. And, and I'll look at Brother Chase or Brother Gus, can I borrow your Bible? Because I, you know, sometimes I don't bring my Bible out. I've just got my iPad because my notes are on there. And, and can I just borrow your Bible for a minute? And I open that Bible. And, and within seconds, I step to the pulpit and I begin to preach what God had just shown me. That is not ability. That is not skill. That only can come from years of pouring the word of God into yourself and becoming one with the word of God. When you're witnessing to somebody on the job, you don't have to stop and say, well, I'll get to you tomorrow when I get a booklet or a handout to teach you a Bible study. If we get the word of God in us, it's going to flow out of us. Amen. Now, now I'm going to start kind of turning, turning back to the airport here. Um, I've asked this question. If these Bibles disappeared from our hands tomorrow, you woke up and there was not a single printed page of this Bible. Could you still lead somebody to Christ? I ask myself this all the time. If this book disappeared, would I be able to not only teach somebody Acts 2.38? We should all know that. Anybody in here in this room, we ought to be able to shake you awake at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, how do you be saved? Then Peter said, I don't know if anybody baptized. We should be able to do that. But if that's all we can do, that's how we get saved. How do we stay saved? If it, if it disappears, listen, I'm, 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 look, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Just, just follow me for a second. If it all disappeared, tomorrow we woke up and there was no more Bibles, Brother Chase. Would we collectively be able to come together as a church and try to put it back together again? How much of the Bible would we be able to put back together again? You say, well, that'll never happen. Yeah, three years ago we said we'd never be banned from having church either. But that's not even the reason we should hide it in our heart. You know, most Jewish boys, by the time they were 12 years old, they could quote the first five books of the Bible by memory. By the time they were 12, they, they had the, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, memorized. When Israel would go into captivity, the conquering armies would go in and they would burn the scrolls. They would tear down the temple. But the word of God was never lost because an entire nation had put it to memorization. I remember them asking, this, this, this made a great impact on me when I was younger. Uh, I remember them asking uh, Brother Robert Baer. How many know who Brother Robert Baer is? He's a man can quote the Bible. From, I, I, was, I was honored to preach a conference with him one time. And I'm going to tell you, I was, I, was, I was scared half to death to preach in front of him. Because I'm sitting there going, I, I'm afraid I'm going to misread the Bible in front of this guy. I mean, it scared me half to death, which I don't know. What happens if you get scared half to death twice? I don't know. He, and I, I, I remember, and, and for whatever reason, they had, they had him preach in front of me, and, and it should have been the other way around. And so, um, I, but I remember a statement he made when I was a, a kid, and I'd heard it on a cassette tape, 
and it was they asked him, they said, which by the way, you can find some of his old debates on the oneness online. It is phenomenal. And they asked Brother Bear, said, if our Bibles were to be taken from us, could you rewrite the Bible? And this was his response. Well, the New Testament would be no problem. Um, not just the words. I, I have all the punctuation and grammar. And he said, probably 80 to 85% of the Old Testament where I would struggle is proper punctuation and possibly the begats of Chronicles. And I remember thinking, that's a lot of memorization. And then Elder Johnny James did the same thing. And he memorized the whole Bible front and back. Matter of fact, those two kind of competed with each other, though they didn't really know each other. And they got to where they wouldn't just memorize. They would memorize it backwards. You say, that's ridiculous. The Bible said provoke one another good work. If I got to get a little good friendly competition and get us memorizing the Bible, let's do it. Amen. And, and then I remember thinking, uh, now, I was blessed to be raised in truth. Now, my, my pastor died when I was a teenager, and this great man shared some of his stuff. I got bags of his tapes uh, that his widow gave me a few years ago. But sometimes they, they would, I, I think out of, uh, sometimes I think it was a lack of balance or whatever it was. Sometimes they would kind of get off into, he was a great man, but get off into some weird stuff. I think he was kind of pulled into it. Man, they'd get into all this end of days, and you're going to get your head cut off and and we had people in our church, men are joining militias and all this kind of stuff. And this one Waco happened. And, and I know people out here think, Waco, a bunch of idiots. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Waco, at 13 years old, sitting in a motel in Colorado, I, I watched our own government shoot fire cannons in there and burn 70-something children alive. And I'll never forget the most impacting statement or the most impacting thing that hit me at that age was, if they want to kill us, they really can. Went home, my dad bought us all SKSs from the Vietnam era. We 50-round banana clips. We were serious about it. When we said from my cold, dead hands, we weren't talking about freezing in Alaska. And so I remember thinking at that age, I've got to get God's word in me. because, And I know it's extreme, and they probably went a little bit too far with that stuff. I get it. But I remember thinking, I need to get the word of God in me. And I started trying to commit the Bible to memorization. And, and, and some of it I've, I've forgotten just out of lack of repetition. But, but that brings me to this point. We've got to know the word, and we've got to pray the word. So many of us, we have access to an arsenal of the power of God we never use because our prayer time is filled with our wants rather than his will. It was several years ago. I think we first got the building, Brother Chase. You and I had been up here praying for quite some time. I can't remember if it was one of our three-day prayer stretches or whatever it was. And uh, I was laying back in the corner. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you. If it wasn't, just chalk it up to whatever. Yeah, old age, bless your heart. Amen. And I was laying back there, and I was praying. And what I'll do is I'll pray, I'll pray the Bible. I'll come into the sanctuary through the week and I'll just walk and I'll pray the Bible. Or in the office, I'll just walk and I'll pray the Bible. I've done that for many, many, many years. And and I, but I was laying over there and I was I had my Bible open 
and either him or whoever it was praying when we couldn't see. And I laid on that floor for about an hour, and I was just going through chapters. I just read and prayed, and I stopped and prayed some more. And it was him or whoever it was that looked at me and said, after we got done praying, said, my God, Pastor, I thought you memorized the whole Bible until I looked over there and saw your Bible laying open. But I, we got to pray the word. If your prayer life, and I, I didn't even get to what I wanted to get in Luke 15, and we'll get to that next week. But if you want your prayer life to be ignited, you ever, you ever gotten a time of prayer where it felt like you were praying and the heavens were brass? You don't got to start screaming and binding devils. Pray the word. That's what Jesus used to defeat the devil. And, and I know this may just be a little too simple and folksy, but if the word was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Jesus didn't start jumping up and binding and rebuking and loosening and all this, commanding angels to do backflips. He just said, hey, it's written. We got too much ding battery happening in Pentecost right now. Write that down. That's my word. We got too much ding battery happening right now. Too much spiritual mysticism happening in the church. My little program, how to get a breakthrough. My little program, pray at this hour, do this, hold your hand the right way, scream this way, do this, do that. I'm going to tell you, if, if that, you go ahead and jump through all those hoops, I'm going to call on the word because it's a document that has guaranteed me access to the throne of God. My, my sister-in-law, I don't know what time, I, what time did I start? Okay, I'm closing it. Um, my sister-in-law was, she's, she's has started going to church the last several months, and I'm so thankful and so proud of her. And we were sitting having lunch Monday afternoon, and she said, uh, she said, have you ever heard of so-and-so? And she, she na- if you want the guy's name, ask me after church, I'll tell you. I said, yeah. She goes, what do you think? I said, the fact you had to ask what I think ought to tell you what I think. I said, I only wish we lived in the Old Testament and we could stone people like him. He's a false prophet. Because they wreck more lives than the devil could on his best day. I said, I know for a fact that that particular prophet prophesied to one of my dear friends, prophesied to his mother who was stage four dying of cancer and said, the Lord said, you shall live and not die. This cancer will be gone. And they buried her within two weeks. Amen. Well, he says some good stuff. Well, the the fact he's lying undoes all the good stuff. But he does it because And the ding battery is pretty thick. We chase signs, not doctrine. A lot of our saints in Pentecostal, well, somebody better hurry and close me down. We're more infatuated with the spectacular than the supernatural. We're more spirit-filled than filled, and we can't discern between what's of God and what's not of God. Because we get a rush when we hear it. We think it's from God. We start feeling goosebumps when I hear, oh, it must be God. Aretha Franklin gives me goosebumps. Don't mean it's God. Oh, it must be God. I feel it. Little children, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. 
See if it be of God. I told that to my sister-in-law. She went, she goes, that's kind of what I thought. I said, yeah. I said, see, your Holy Ghost is working. Your Holy Ghost is working. Your ding battery meter was pegging on him. And she said, but, but he's at a lot of churches. And, and I said, yeah, because they're as carnal as a three-legged dog. They don't know. That's a pastor that ain't praying and a church that ain't praying. Because if it were, somebody would stand up and said, you are a lying false prophet. Man prophesied Trump was going to win. I don't get off in that stuff. And then when he didn't win, he went back and started trying to delete his videos. He got called out on it and said, well, he was going to win, but they cheated. So you're telling me God couldn't see that? You're telling me God went, ah, oh. didn't see that coming. Kind of not God if that happens. You just see that? Um, prophet, tell him he's going to win. Everybody, God said he's going to win. Three months later. Oh. Oh, my me. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Tell him you're okay. It was my fault. Then for six months, it was black helicopters. Trump's being held underground in a secret location and the military's about to have a coup and put him back in the White House. Got inside information. Yeah, from hell. Got it from, you got a source, all right. Smells like sulfur. People sending him money because he's doing all this stuff and he claims the right names to be connected. You got to watch out for these TikTok theologians, these Facebook prophets. They're prophets, but they're P-R-O-F-I-T-S's. I thank God for prophets like Bishop Jeff Story that was here just a couple of weeks ago. That will tell you, thus saith the Lord, and what it is, and it always, these guys walk in, somebody here, I feel it right now, uh, somebody's got a backache. Well, hey, genius, you got 200 people in that room, you're going to find a backache? Even a blind squirrel can find a nut every once in a while. Broken clocks right twice a day. Hey Amen, I know I've got off on it, y'all, I'm sorry. Hey Amen, I think we heard some good teaching on Sunday about filthy lucre's sake. Can't be chasing that stuff. And she said, well, what about this one? And, and it started going off and, 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 and okay, got, you know, just gets a little, just gets a little kooky though, you know? You have to pray between this time and this time because that's when angels listen. Where do you get this stuff? Daniel, one time in the Old Testament, Daniel who didn't have the Holy Ghost, didn't have the blood of Jesus, had to set his alarm because that's the only time the angels would listen. Are you serious? I don't pray for angels to listen to me. I go to their boss. I go to their boss. Lord, I need you to do this, and I'm asking you to do this, and Lord, would you release the host of heaven in this situation? I don't pull a number and sit in the waiting room and go, well, I got to, you know, at 422, I think they're going to listen to me. Hey, boys, would you go, why would I do that? Now I have an advocate with the Father. Listen, why am I going to talk to management when I know the boss? I don't go to the greeter at Walmart and complain about customer service. I go to the, to the boss. Amen. Hallelujah. 
And I said, yeah, there's no, but you, you, you just can't get caught up in it because she was asking all this stuff. And I said, it sounds good. It sounds profound. It sounds deep. But what it does is it negates the power that you have through the blood of Jesus to access the throne of God for yourself. Don't get caught up in all of that stuff. I said, it's simple. Just believe in God. Pray the word. Pray the word. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If it was good enough for the early church, it's good. Just pray the word. Get in your word and pray. Well, I don't know what to pray. Get in your Bible and find. Are you going through depression? Then go find some scriptures on joy and begin to pray it. Just begin to pray it. If you don't know what up, matter of fact, the word of God is so powerful, the Holy Ghost is so powerful, when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will pray for you. Amen. Now, I, now, Brother Chase, you might have to help me on this one. I'm going to sit by him. because Man, there's some big old jelly beans, too. You know, Brother Chase, when I pray, and, and you and I pray together many, 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 many times, we... We're not just talking in tongues the whole time. We got some things to say. We're not just jibber-jabbing in another language. Listen. We, oh, that's mine. We can't just be. I got to be careful. But if you spend 80% of your prayer time speaking in tongues, you're not doing it right. That tells me you have not disciplined yourself enough to have a communication with God. I, I, I don't mean to make something so carnal, so graphic, but, but we're all adults and I think we can handle this. If we, liken, if we liken speaking in tongues to, well, prayer is intimacy. Worship is intimacy. If I were to liken it, uh, um, boy, it sounds weird, but the affection of a kiss. Right? Now, if you're married, I hope you like kissing. If you don't, don't get married. If you're married and you don't like kissing, too late. You don't got a choice anymore. It's what the Bible says. What it says, you don't get a choice. See, if you knew the will, amen. <laughs> Come sit in on my next marriage session. It'll help you out tremendously amen some people get married I don't like all that affection stuff well then why did you saddle her or him down you jerk you knew you didn't like it you're gonna, you're gonna wreck them now go to the word but if you liken it unto the to the emotion that the kiss or the way it's like going to prayer and, and, and rather than look kissing is healthy for a marriage but but you got to do more than that you got to have, you got to talk. You got to sit there and have that early morning cup of coffee and, and talk about the, the dream you had last night. Even though it's the dorkiest dream known to mankind, you were parachuting out of an airplane and your parachute was made out of jelly bellies and you landed in a bowl of ice cream. And you're just saying, isn't that a craziest dream? I wonder if there's any kind of meaning to that spiritual. Or you get, you know, that's what marriages are built on. We go to prayer and all we want to do is. I said, talk to me a little bit. Talk to me. I don't know what to say to God. You do that on a first date, not on your 10th year of marriage. That, 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 that ought to show you whether you're growing 
in God or not. Pray the word. Pray the, write some scriptures out. Open your Bible, bookmark them, and go to prayer. I'll go to prayer and I'll start out praying. I'll bless the name of the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul doth make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Bless, uh, let us, uh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. This poor man crying, the Lord heard him and delivered him out of all his fears. And I begin, I can feel it right now. You just begin to quote, you begin to quote the word. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation is the joy of the whole earth. It's Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Be ye lifted up ye everlasting doors, ye everlasting gates. Be ye lifted up and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the king of glory. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in this law doth he meditate both day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that doth breathe forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither but the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore the godly shall not stand in the seat of the sinner, and the sinner shall not stand in the congregation. you got to get the word in you. you got to pray that word. I don't care what it is. Just pray it. Just pray there's power in the will of God. There's power in the testament of God. There's power in the word of God. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them hey when you pray the word things happen things happen you quote Genesis in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth you quote John in the beginning was the Word. The Word's with God. The Word was God. Same as in the beginning with God. Quote it. Pray it. You talk in tongues. Do you get a Chinese accent? It ain't going to make the devil flinch. You start praying that Word. Open that Bible. I don't care. Just stick your thumb in there and open it up. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, great man with his master and honorable because of him. The Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. Read it. He gave us this. He preserved it for thousands of years. His weapon that is perfected for us. This unstoppable, immutable unquenchable, indeniable, indestructible word of God laid in our hands. We've got the greatest weapon known to man. It's not an H-bomb. It's not an A-bomb. It's not a Stinger missile. It's not an AR-15. It's not an M1. It's not a 7 millimeter. It's not a 9 millimeter. It's not a 45. It's not an AK. It's not an M16. You know what the greatest weapon known to man is? It's the word. Would you stand with me? This word so powerful, hell couldn't stop it. The kings of Babylon tried to get rid of it. Syria tried to get rid of it. Emperors tried to get rid of it. Caesar tried to get rid of it by throwing people to lions, burning them at the stake. They tried through the dark ages to get rid of it. All the way to Stalin tried to get rid of it. But it's still here. 
Don't let it be a dust collector on your dashboard. Or just the centerpiece of the coffee table in your house. Activate it. I hope y'all got something out of this tonight. I, I, I do feel the Holy Ghost. I believe God's calling his church back to the fundamentals. Somebody a while back said, you, you, you're, are you a fundamentalist? I never really thought about that. And I went, yeah, I fundamentally believe the word. Fundamentalist got a bad connotation. Were you a fundamentalist with gravity? Well, I believe so. I'm a reformed gravityist. Well, jump and show me. I just believe it. God said it. That settles it. I want to close with this story. Anybody feel encouraged to get in their word tonight? What I'm saying isn't to condemn, make you feel bad because you had, if you hadn't been reading your word, don't, don't get condemned about it. Get inspired to get into it. Matter of fact, get you a Bible reading partner. Say, hey, we're going to read 1 Kings together, whatever. I heard a story years and years and years ago of a young man who went off to college and may have told this before a preacher was telling the story and they said uh, they sent their son to college first one in their family to ever go to university come back the first year they could tell something was a little off but they didn't say anything and then he came back after his sophomore year and he was pretty defiant the family began to pray over the meal and he wouldn't bow his head he wouldn't pray afterwards they decided it was time to have a confrontation about what's going on in this young man's life and so around the living room they sat and the young man said I just want to be clear now that I've been to university and I'm studying I found science has proven there is no God I don't, I don't believe that book anymore sitting on the coffee table there You've, I know that's been a part of my life ever since I was born but I just don't believe it anymore I believe there's some good virtues to be pulled from it but I don't believe it anymore they said what do you mean you don't believe this anymore we've taught this to you we put it in you he said, well, I don't believe it. They said, well, tell me what you don't believe in this. But he said, well, you know the story of Jonah. I mean, how ridiculous, how stupid that a fish could swallow a man and he can live. Did you know science has proven a man? There is not a fish big enough in the sea to be able to sustain the life of a man for three days and three nights. And they said, how can you say that's a miracle from God? They said, what else? He said, well, he began to say other things like crossing the Red Sea. How that it could all of a sudden part and the water stand on end. How could, how could anybody be so foolish to believe that's literal? Noah's flood. Who could believe? Did you know, did you know over a 60% or over 40% of church-going people in America do not believe Noah's flood's real? We're not talking about CEO Christians. You know, Christmas, Easter only. We're talking about regular churchgoers. Don't believe in Noah's flood. Don't believe in the creation. Less than 50% actually believe in the creation story as being literal. We're talking about churches. He said that to them. They were devastated. I said, he said, well, then go to your Bible and show me where this is true about Jonah. And they flipped open their Bible and much to their dismay. They could not find the story of Jonah. The pages were missing. They could not find the story of the crossing of the Red Sea. And the young man leaned against the wall. He folded his arms and he laughed and said, two years ago when I left, I ripped those pages out of your Bible and you didn't even know they were missing until tonight. 
we got to get this in us. I don't want my children to believe I believe it. I want my children to know that I believe it and that I live it. Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The only scripture to be repeated the exact same way in three of the four gospels is when Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. We are a beneficiary of this word. I'm sorry it's not any deeper than this tonight. I'm sorry it's not. It's, this isn't some great mystical rabbit out of the head grand revelation that just comes thundering in something. It's just this simple. If we don't make this the foundation of who we are, if we don't, I mean, we're living, listen, we are living in a wicked generation. We had better get this in us, so ingrained in us. I want to get so full of the word. I want to get so, oh God, help us tonight. Oh God, I want to get so full of the word. Amen. That when I sleep talk, I sleep quote the Bible. I want to get full of the word. Would you lift your hand right now and just... Just tell the Lord how grateful you are for his word for a moment. God, I thank you for this word. For you have perfectly preserved this. From through the ages of men. Through the annals of time. From millennia to millennia. You have preserved this word for this hour in which we live. For there is no social order that's going to correct the chaos of this world. There is no political revolution that's going to set right the chaos of our world. But, oh Lord, your word, your word that is spoken, your word that is lived, your word, oh God, that is within us has the power to begin to change starting with me. In the name of the Lord. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Just let the Holy Ghost strengthen you right now. He's drawing us. He is drawing us to his word like never before. I've got to know your will. I've got to know this will and this testament, this eternally legal binding document called the Bible, Lord. I need it in me, God. Oh, Lord, it's the answer to any situation that I have. In the name of Jesus, God, I want to fellowship you in your word. I want to know you more. I want to draw closer to you through your word. I want to know your intent, your purpose. I want to know your character, oh, God. I want to draw closer to you until I'm formed and I'm fashioned after your image and your purpose, oh God. I want to be what you've called me to be, the inheritor, the beneficiary, oh God, of every promise, of every protection, of every blessing. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Would you just reach over, step across the aisle if you need to. Would you just spend 60 seconds praying with somebody right now? Hallelujah. Just, just, just begin to pray with them right now. In the name of the Lord. Lord, I pray your word come alive to them. I pray your word would come alive to them. It's my desire. Oh, just to be close to you. Just to be close to you.
Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.